I will self-admit that there was a serial entrepreneur in me. I don't throw darts at a board. I bet on sure things. Read Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Every battle is won before it's ever fought. Think about it. Welcome, closers, to another episode of the Profitable Property Management Podcast. I haven't said that in a while. I've been doing solo episodes, but we are jumping back into the interview format, and I have the pleasure of interviewing Tony LeBlanc. Did I get that right? Yes, sir. Tony LeBlanc on the show. I've known Tony for a minute, and uh, we're actually going back and forth on a personal level doing some completely random unrelated fitness stuff together, which we'll get into in a minute. But I'm having Tony on today to talk a little bit about his background in property management and the upcoming book that he just released. This is a passion project that is largely built off of his experience of using property management as a seedbed to get into multiple ventures. You guys know that turns me on. Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So, Tony, give us some background. You talk in the book about being kind of raised in the business. Um, obviously, there's a lot of people that are raised by mom or dad doing property management. Not everybody. That's not a, always a positive connotation for everyone. <laughs> how did you How did you wind up in property management? So, so yes, I am, in fact, a, a second-generation property manager. Uh, my mom ran. She was a VP of a company for about 35 years. Um, I was born in the apartment that I stayed into until we were until I was 16 years old. So we lived in the same building. She was she was the resident manager. Um, you know, I helped with a whole lot of stuff. I probably made a lot of problems for her earlier on as I was a child. Um, but I grew up uh, around the industry, uh, obviously for my entire life. Uh, growing up, seeing a lot of different things as we were resident managers. Um, and as I continued to see her career flourish after uh, we eventually moved out of the building, she still worked for the management company. Um, I didn't, I, I can't honestly say I took a liking to it immediately as I was cleaning the hallways and the buildings and shoveling the walkways and stuff. Um, but I did see kind of what it had to offer because I was very close with the owners of the business. Um, they, you know, they, they talked a lot about the company. They loved apartment buildings and, you know, it kind of interested me. Um, if I fast forward a little bit, I didn't get into property management uh, as a first career. Uh, my first career was a 15-year stint as a software engineer with IBM. Hmm. Um, so that was uh, my grassroots in terms of technology, tech geek at heart. Um, have always loved it, still do to this day. And uh, I'm blessed to have had the experience to work with IBM and the, and the companies and the people that I did. Um, but I always felt... Uh, the entrepreneurial spirit burned inside of me for many, many years. Uh, I always had uh, what they call a side hustle. I was always kind of doing stuff on the side, mostly related to the nutrition and fitness world. And then uh, after about, uh, I, I would say the last five years of, of being inside of IBM world, um, I was traveling all the time. And I was gone away sometimes, you know, three weeks a month away from my family. And it, it became, you know, it was hard. It was very tough. It was very, I had two young kids at the time and, uh, it was causing, you know, causing some issues. So, um, at that point in time, I started looking actively to 
get into something on my own. And, and that's when my, my management company was born, Ground Floor. And uh, yeah, we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. Hey, congratulations. Did yeah. you own any rental properties before you got into it? I did. I bought my first triplex when I was 23. So I, uh, I moved away from home, moved to Toronto, kind of a big city. And as uh, soon as I cashed up enough money, I think I was there for about a year, put aside a bit of money, called my mom back home. And I'm like, mom, I got some money, you know, go find me a building. And she went out and she found me a triplex and she took care of it for me for about four or five years until, my move, until I moved back home. Do you still and own actually, that triplex? I just sold it like two years ago. Yep. All right. So you it held was, on uh, for, yeah. for a while. And, and the funny thing is, is it, it's a high school friend that now owns it. <laughs> so it's, nice. uh, and yeah, and we still manage it. So it's all good. So zoom all the way to today on the complete other yeah. end of the journey. Talk, give me some size and scope of the company as, as it exists today. So ground floor property management is now, uh, we're in three locations. Uh, so we're in Eastern Canada. We're called the Maritime Provinces. So I have three locations. Um, I would say we're close to 2,000 doors uh, all with all three locations. Um, we manage, our, our bread and butter is multi-res. We do as big as we can get on the, on, on the multi-res complex size, but we still do single family, duplex, triplex, and all the above. Uh, we have some commercial. Um, from, from that platform uh, of the management business, we've been able to successfully spin off uh, several different operations, uh, landscaping, snow removal, commercial cleaning, um, uh, maintenance, and we're about to close on two more, uh, acquiring a plumbing company and an appliance repair company to add to the portfolio. Okay, so those door numbers that you quoted me, is there any association management in there? Uh, yes, we have probably uh, maybe 300. 300? Yeah, we what, what, what percentage do you think is um, either single, duplex, triplex, quad, et cetera? I would say on, let's say, less than four, I would say it's maybe 25%. Um, the association may be a 3%, and then the rest would be six and up, six units and up. Got it. Okay. Yep. So you've, you've got some scale in the management yep. company. And at the point that you decided to get into these alternative ventures, you had clearly already gotten to a point where you had something to feed off, as it were. What we're not talking yep. about is starting a restaurant chain or a completely unrelated <laughs> business. No. So there's the, inherent in the premise is not just scratching the itch. I mean, hey, I mean, let's be honest, there's always some scratching in the itch, but it's yep. also being able to build off of the existing momentum that you had. I love that. I've, I've yep. done it. I'd love to hear yep. before we even get into it, what the lead up to that looked like and what the countervailing voices were like. Cause there's always that voice of don't do it, stay conservative, <laughs> focus, right? Focus. Yep. I mean, how many times to have us, us entrepreneurs heard why do you, why do you have to go do crazy stuff? Like, why can't you just focus and double down on what you already have? So how did you get up yeah. the gumption and what, what were some of the countervailing voices before you started this journey of having, of, of building a network of things around PM? Where it all started was, I would say I, I, I categorized the first five years in a management company as uh, being a door chaser. That's all I felt that I was doing, just bringing in more doors. And that's, that's all we wanted to do. 
And while it got us a lot of doors, uh, our churn rate has been traditionally very low. Um, we've, we've done very well with that. Um, but I was getting, I, I don't want to say get tired, but I, I kind of got tired of that same old thing of just churning over doors, getting new doors. And we, we got to a point to where we were looking at the books and we, we, we knew we were leaving a lot of money on the table. Um, the multi-res, I would say the multi-res, um, money wise is, can, can sometimes not be as lucrative, um, from a single, a single family perspective in terms of the amount of money that you get per door. It's very different. Um, so we, we started kind of looking at different ways of, okay, how are we going to make some changes about this? So we added new locations. That was kind of the first step. Um, we thought that that was going to, you know, going to help um, or, or alleviate some of the things. And it did. We, 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 we enjoyed opening up to two new locations. A lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, I would say a lot of issues. And it, it definitely wasn't easy opening up those secondary locations. We're blessed that we have, I've got, I've got two operators that help us with that. Um, but really it was just, you know, this, this sense of feeling that um, we're leaving a lot of money on the table and we wanted to address that. Um, I, I will self-admit that there was a serial entrepreneur within me, um, but I knew that I wanted to stay in the realm of property management. Um, the way that we structured our company is uh, I got myself and I got my partner. So we're the, we're the, what you read of all the time, the, the consummate tech, uh, technician and, and entrepreneur visionary. So I've got a guy that's able to run the day-to-day operations in the companies and myself plugged in as the visionary. So it's, it's done very well for us. Um, yes, there was a lot of, um, we didn't jump into, so snow removal and, and landscaping was our first venture. And it took almost a year and a half for us to really pull the trigger on that. Um, we, we spent many meetings talking about, do we really want to do this? Do we, do we want to jump into a new industry that has a, it's a, it's a completely different ball game, um, different staffing. There's a lot of different concerns, a lot of money to invest. Mm-hmm. Unlike the property management, we're spoiled. You know, in most cases we can open up shop and it's not a whole lot of, uh, investment going in. That industry was absolutely crazy in terms of the money that we had to put into upfront to buy machinery and all this other fun stuff. Um, but we, we were lucky again that when, before we even opened our doors, we found again that key person to help us run the operation. We knew, we knew we could run it from a business perspective. I knew I had the sales chops. I knew we could run the business itself, but um, having that key industry person is what really put us over the top and said, okay, we're going we're gonna to try this out. If we fail, we'll learn. Um, hopefully we won't and uh, we'll make a good run at it. Right. It's always a who question rather than a how question. So you share in the book yep. about going directly to the franchise route, which is interesting. Yep. So a lot of yep. folks that go the franchise route don't have any business, prior business experience. And so it feels like yep. a hedging strategy. Yep. In your case, you did. What were you optimizing for and going the franchise route in starting this new venture as opposed to just figuring it out on your own? We wanted the We wanted a mentor. We wanted somebody behind us that could kind of hold our hand. Um, it wasn't a huge investment up front to get the franchise, 
And it was really something that aligned with us from a core values perspective. Um, they really hit a chord with us when they invited us up to, to fly up to go meet them. And we we're like, just like, wow, this, this is the type of operation and the type of feeling that we want in our company, on, even on the management side. I've learned a ton from them and I've applied it on, on ground floor side. Um, but we, were, we knew that we, we knew what we didn't know. So I knew there was a lot about the landscaping and snow business that I had no idea and that we, there was too much money being put on the table for us not to have somebody kind of hold our hand. And, and of course, if, if you've ever been through a, a franchise platform, you know, their, their, their documentation and their systems and their procedures are second to none for the most part anyway. And uh, they did exactly what they did. Right? We, we only lasted with them for three years. I'll, I'll say that. We, we ended up separating from them. Um, but it was the entry point that we needed to get us to where we are today. Well, that's interesting because I feel like that the franchise value precipitously mm-hmm. declines over time, right? Yep. Massive value on the front side, yep. get you from yep. zero to having some initial context. And over time, the question of why am I paying this fee gets louder and louder yes. over yes. time. In your yep. case, with the decision that you made, let's let's talk specifically about the landscaping side. Snow removal, obviously pretty weather dependent, not, not going to be yes. useful for a lot of our audience. But on the landscaping side, you mentioned being about 50-50 in terms of revenue coming from existing portfolio versus outside and then trending closer to 85 to 15 with the bulk of, bulk of it coming from clients outside of your own portfolio. Yep. Landscaping is a great example of a type of work that to a lot of folks feels like uh, tripping over dollars to pick up pennies. Walk yep. me through the just the nuts and bolts of of how you think about landscaping in terms of the, the tier or the quality of a biz dev opportunity for somebody that currently has a PM business, knowing that you've clearly ventured into some others as well. Yep. I can definitely agree with you that if you get into the wrong positioning in the landscaping business, it's way too hard for the money that you make. I, I, I will state that up front. Um, and we made that mistake, I'd say, for probably the first year to where we were solely focusing on cutting lawns and kind of being like that general landscaper. We learned very quickly that when you have the overhead of a franchise that says that you have to have all brand new equipment, that your staff is decked out in beautiful uniforms and that you're paying for all this fancy software, that you have to charge a lot of money to be able to do and deliver these services. And of course, we looked at our portfolio and you know, we got some buildings that are like C-class type properties that they don't need, they don't need the, the Cadillac service. So mm-hmm. um, we, had, we definitely had to pivot in, with, with that respect. But for us, the landscaping was really an avenue to the snow removal. Um, the snow removal is where the real money is made. Um, after five years now of being in the landscaping, if I can give any advice, I would say, don't focus on lawns, focus on hardscaping. That's, again, where the larger uh, value and the bigger margins are at. We, in, in too many areas, you're going to be competing against guys that can put a, a lawnmower in the back of their trucks and charge someone mm-hmm. 40 bucks cash. Mm-hmm. That is a business that you, you want to stay away from. And uh, we, we completely stay away from that type of market. We're, we're considered a, a higher-end brand in the city that we're in. 
and uh, we we have our our key clients um, in terms of you know some very very big homes and some different associations and some higher end buildings that need the Cadillac service, and uh, it's it's worked out quite well. So over the years we've pivoted and we've learned over time. Sometimes it's cost us to what to focus on and what the service that have the higher margins. Secondly is control. When we were, again, in, in, in my one location, we had at our peak, we had 12, 1300 units. And we were getting tired of just rotating landscapers every summer. It seemed like the service was always crap. Um, we just, we felt like we were always having to babysit them. And we, I don't know, for us, maybe it's just the way that we're programmed. We always said, oh man, I wish I could do, you know, I wish we could take care of that ourselves. Because we know the owners, we know what we can do, we know what you know what what shouldn't be done and how it should be done, and um, it's been a blessing having it in house, even though it's 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 a separate company, but we're all considered ourselves together. That we're now able to control the level of service with all that, and when a tenant calls to say, you know, the snow guy hasn't been here, or the landscaper missed this, or they missed that. It's it's all internal, so the level of communication is at a is at a completely different level of me having to to deal with a trade or an outside mm-hmm. person. So that's really, I find from from the management perspective, it's really elevated our game to where like we don't have any landscaping issues in our company. Like it's, it just doesn't happen. Are these totally distinct brands? Yes, they are. Yep, we spun it off. Okay. Well, so I, a spinoff can happen either in terms of separate, separate books, et cetera. And that's great that you're able to have that financial clarity because they are, it's a separate set of books, but with the branding yep. decisions specifically, what, what led you to make it as a, um, a different brand? And how do you think about that decision in retrospect? It was a completely different um, staffing that we we're getting involved in. And I didn't really want, I didn't want to have ground floor, the management company, seen as kind of a, 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 a catch basin of all these different services. I wanted ground floor property management to be property management. So I could advertise, I could do my marketing, and I can do my speaking to that exact point. And the company is big enough that, in my opinion, it should be on its own. Um, and then we created eventually, uh, it became core property care, which is our, which is our landscaping and snow positions now. PM Grow is back, the property management conference for growth-minded entrepreneurs. For those of you that are committed to investing in yourself, to changing your inner dialogue, inner game, to networking with the best, and from learning from entrepreneurs that have done and lived and come to the place where you want to be today. It's taking place in Austin, Texas, May 27th through the 29th in 2020. Go to pmgrowsummit.com to check it out. We'll see you there. So you spin this up and immediately right out of the gate, it's got a decent amount of volume. So you you oh, yeah. avoided a multi-year slog of just trying to yes. get to a salary, which that's pretty exciting. Um, and now you're running it. You have somebody in in operations. You describe in the book deciding that your business partner was going to uh, handle day to day operations there. And you also mentioned bringing somebody in on an operational level. What shifted 
for you when you were at the position of having two businesses? Because I can describe in my own career that the simple perspective shift of being able to make relative comparison of what's true for the people in this business versus the people in business A, that alone opened up a lot of possibilities. So talk to me about the perspective shift of of being a multi-business operator. It was... uh... It, it was very interesting. It was enlightening to see the, the the first year. I would say, learning the ins and outs in that business at it, it, it both. Uh, it was a it was a an, somewhat of an expensive education on on both of our parts for myself and my partner. Um, but once, so the the real magic happened when we were when we opened the door to outside clients. Servicing our own properties really didn't. We didn't really cut our teeth on what the real business was. Yes, from an operational perspective, um, we learned a ton about um, staffing in terms of communications and the importance of uh, standard operating procedures. Um, the importance of insurance um, is, is some key things. Uh, that's a whole different realm in that world. Um, but the exciting part was when we opened it up to the outside. So picture this. So we, 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 got, the, we got the franchise. Um, completely different, you know, their, their branding and the, and the trucks and all that stuff had no visual, uh, to our management company. There was nothing tied into it. And then once we, we got rid of the franchise and we co-branded, uh, or we created the new brand core property care, and we then launched it out in the public, um, the perspective from the outside on how they saw ground floor they saw myself and they saw my business partner completely changed. Um, it's like everybody knew us as property managers. They knew, they knew we did well, but it's like you're, you're a landlord, you know, whatever. How, how exciting is that? You, you deal with tenants and you kind of, you're into real estate. But a lot of people don't know the ins and outs of property management and, you know, the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly parts of it. And nor do they really appreciate the success or the the of, of building a you know a thousand or a two thousand door property management company and, and how you know how special that can be. But once we did this spinoff um, and and once we created that secondary brand, people really started kind of flooding to us and said, you know, oh wow, you know, you guys are really doing something really interesting. And this is not just from the general public; this is from the business community at large. It's like you know, I know you, I knew you guys did this, but I had no idea that you did this, this, and you've kind of built it all off this platform. And that's when things really got interesting uh, for myself and my partner in terms of new opportunities that are being brought to the table. Um, New partnerships, you know, that were flooding into us, which we rarely, you know, caved into because we were so focused Mm -hmm. on what we were doing. But having these two companies now run essentially side by side, it really required myself and my business partner to level up our games because essentially he was in charge of running essentially that company. And I was in charge of running management company. So we had to get our stuff straight on both sides. Right. Um, So it elevated his skills as an entrepreneur to be able to run that business. And it did the same for me. It's like I had some weaknesses on the management side, but I had to go out and learn them. These are skills that I, you know, was we had no choice. Um, so it really helped us, I think, escalate our games with regards to that. 
So let's talk a little bit about infrastructure, because one of the great things when you're running multiple ventures is that you really start to reap the benefits of management and infrastructure because it's repeatable. Not only are you applying it in different contexts and learning different things and having this kind of looping knowledge, but you get a disproportionate reward for studying and implementing because you can deploy it across multiple organizations. What did your management structure look like prior and what does it look like today? Do you describe do you subscribe to anything like like EOS? How are these how are these businesses run? So on the management side we were we were departmental. We were that way for probably the first um, I would say eight years. Um, just because we we were having a hard time finding the right um, we call them resident managers, property managers out in the field that would actually take care of the properties. Um, so we've always stuck with the departmental. That's kind of what I grew up with and that's what I understood the best. Um, and it, it did very well for us. Um, we've since transformed. We're on our way. We're about, a, would say, 60% on our way to transforming into a portfolio approach. So I now have um, two couples that take care of around 200, 250 units each. And they handle that portfolio from A to Z in terms of the cleaning, leasing, uh, dealing with the tenants, day-to-day stuff. Um, and I'm actually looking for two more to handle the rest of it. Um, so that's been a major shift for us. Uh, we got to a point to where the departmental structure was becoming an inhibitor of our staff of getting stuff done. The phones are constantly ringing, people coming into the office all the time, unannounced. And it was just a constant uh, array of preemption from all over. And I was really seeing, starting to see the performance of my staff go down. And it's like they're constantly overwhelmed. They just, they just couldn't catch up. So we've, we've adopted this approach. I've heard a lot of good things about it. We've played with it in the past, but we just weren't able to get good people uh, in play. So we're really excited about that. Um, and we're also uh, implementing EOS actually as we speak. Um, so we, we actually just did our focus day, uh, last week. Um, uh, we're doing a self-implementation right now. Um, so we've, we've bought into the uh, tool that EOS provides to help self-implementers do it, um, which has been very nice. So that's helping us along. If we get into some trouble, I'm, I'm kind of lucky. I have a really good friend that's actually an implementer in Louisiana. So he's been kind of offering me some help on the side to, for guidance in terms of if we get stuck or anything like that. Um, so that's been, uh, that's been a blessing. So tell me more about the decision of going from departmental to portfolio. It's the same yeah. volume of work. And what I heard you yeah. highlight there was feeling people feeling like things are frenetic. There's constant yeah. distraction Yep. If it's the same volume of work, though, I'd love to hear more about some of the specific mechanics that you think that a portfolio style of management is going to alleviate. So the way that we had it in our office, we had three, I would say three property managers uh, in our office. We had a front office admin um, slash property manager, and then two other property managers that handled um, a lot of one handled, uh, I would say, the, the back end stuff, the evictions, late notices. She was kind of the bad cop. Then we had uh, another girl that was more the front office uh, or front part of the situation in terms of she would do all the tenant applications, she'd do all the screening, she'd do all the lease signing, and she'd also take care of, of stuff like uh, lease renewals and stuff like that. So 
our office was just inundated all the time with phone calls and pop-in visits. So what it did was if we had, if, if we were short-staffed or any situation that happened in the office, it was always pulling away the other people from what they were doing. With the portfolio approach, I've now, I'm, only, I'm down to two people in my office. And now these people outside are only responsible for their 200 or 250 units. They don't have to worry about or have the knowledge of a thousand units, which can be, in mm. our case, you know, 150 different properties. So that is, you know, that, that, that's played a massive picture into it. So it's, it's taken away a lot of stress from our office environment. And it's really put it onto these remote people where that's all they're really doing. So, so yeah, the, now, now there's, there's been a tremendous difference in terms of attitude with staff. So another key thing that we've done is we've cut our office hours down to half. So instead of staying open, a traditional 830 to 430, uh, Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday, we close at one o'clock because again, we were just having a constant, uh, barrage of tenants just coming to the office and when they got something to say they can often come in in there and they can they can keep somebody busy for you know a half hour at times and it was just completely just didn't make any sense we didn't do that before because we felt that we had to give that level of service we always had to provide it at the door and we wanted to be that that company that provided that but it was it was actually starting to affect the business in terms of our our ability to perform and what we were getting done. So now that we have our portfolio managers that are out there, they're at the buildings every day, right? They're doing their runs, they're doing their checks, so they're constantly around for the tenants. So we see the sub, the service level going up, and then allowing and taking some pressure off our office environment. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That that I appreciate the additional specifics. That's helpful. <laughs> In terms of the journey of what happens after you start this initial maintenance and this, I'm sorry, this initial lawn care and snow removal, um, talk to me about some of the other related businesses that you've continued to add on since then. Well, we've had maintenance. I started the company with maintenance. Uh, My second hire was a full-time maintenance guy. So that was just the way that we saw the business or I saw the business growing up. And uh, my business partner um, actually worked for my mother for the first 20 years of his career. She was, uh, she hired him out of university. So he's been, he's only done property management and that's kind of what he was used to running as well. So, um, so we ran maintenance throughout uh, our portfolio the entire time. And then uh, I would say probably a year or two after we did the landscaping thing, then we opened up the door for the maintenance team in terms of a general handyman um, to the general public. We haven't pushed that part as hard um, because there's a, there's a few, um, I find there's a, it's, it's, it's one thing to service your own properties, but to start doing major renovations and mm-hmm. other people's properties, it's a whole different ball game. And we, we got into some projects, we had some great successes, but we, we really stepped back and said, is this really what we want to do? Um, so we still do some one-off stuff. Like we build gazebos, we can do some fences, um, some paint jobs here and there, but I haven't really pushed it too far. Um, I would say the, the other big, um, success that we've had is in the commercial cleaning aspect. Um, so cleaning of commercial buildings. So office space, 
um, which is a very, very nice business. Um, so we do that and we do new construction cleaning. So uh, we just finished a 55 unit that, of course, we're now managing. So we worked with the GC that was building it. They hired us on to do the to do the cleanup of all the units once the building was done. Um, that's a great little project. It's uh, you know a, a month work of uh, hectic you know schedules and a boatload of people to get the whole building clean. And then if you can do six, seven, eight, nine of those types of building a year, it's actually a, a, a very nice little business and very profitable. Mm. So we've we've really enjoyed that and. The beauty about all this, Jordan, is and, and, and is why the, the, the doorpreneur rings so true to me is it's the reuse of existing staff. 100%. Right? And re- reusing of existing infrastructure from end to end, accounting, bookkeeping, uh, procedures, staff, uh, management. Like it's, it's all the same team. We're just reusing them in different areas. I'm yeah. loving it. I want to hear yeah. more and I want to wade into... Um, some of the um, unit economic power in being able to have a much larger customer lifetime value than your competitors, because that's ultimately what's happening here. If you have 10 companies that are all working with the same type of customer and one person makes 10 bucks a customer and another person makes 30 bucks a customer, the implications of that are probably are, are really obvious. And one of the things that I think about is my ability to invest in the depth and the quality of my relationships because of how deep I can go in being able to facilitate the outcome and get paid for it. Not only is it is it more effective, but it's a lot more rewarding. Tony, if you're willing, because we're running out of time here, I'd love to make this a two-part interview and kind of wade into some of, some of the other stuff on the backside of the interview. As we are wrapping up here. I do just want to clarify today. So what is the totality of the empire? How many distinct entities are there that you're currently managing right now? So we have uh, six, six different companies. And what are those? So we have, so we have ground floor in the three locations. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have core property care, which is in two other locations. We also have the real estate sales component, which is in one location, but is going to be expanding to two, possibly by the end of this year. And if I can put all my ducks in a row, I may have two, the, the, the plumbing company tied up and the appliance service, appliance repair uh, by the end of this quarter. So those are two big hitting items that um, have really been, they've been, we've been looking for them for three years now. It's just a matter of finding the right people uh, and the right situations and the right uh, the right connections in order to make them happen. So the name of the book is Doorpreneur. Uh, Tony, what do you hope that somebody might get out of reading the book? I hope it provides them with a, a new perspective of what property management can what property management can be and the platform that it provides. That's that's number one. I also want people to really read the book. And see that it's not all about just running the business. And, you know, I, I, I make a very big importance in my life to play hard as well. Um, and I talk a lot about that in terms of the importance of staying healthy and staying fit. You know, I, I kind of weave my, my personal story through that, but it's incredibly important for people to take that away as well. Um, and just the, the, the sheer of, of being of property management, in my opinion, can be the ultimate prop, um, entrepreneur platform it what it can provide and what it can do is, is unbelievable we're, we're seeing it we're building it 
And I think people need to see this new approach to the industry in general, because I think that it will help uh, overall all of us property managers out there and new people coming in and, and possibly looking at this industry as, as, as a career for themselves or a business opportunity for themselves. I love it. So in part two, we're going to cover a couple of things, but what I definitely want to dive into is the distinction between you versus the business. There are times where we're, we push and we push and we push to grow something beyond its capacity to expand because its capacity to expand is not the same as my personal growth aspirations. And there's some value in decoupling these things. Starting new ventures is a way to, to do that, to scratch another itch, to, um, push on the pressure release valve as it were, and to also just give you a whole different perspective. I want to get into that. I want to get into personal habits and mindset and what you do to stay at peak performance. I appreciate you coming on. If somebody wants to grab the book right now, what is the best place for them to do that? Doorpreneur.com. Doorpreneur.com. Of course, it's the only logical, it's the only logical choice. (laughs) That's a hell of a domain. I love it. Tony, thanks for coming on and we'll do part two here shortly. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it.